0: Welcome to episode two of season two of the Search with Canada podcast recorded on Wednesday the 19th of January 2022. My name is Mark Williams Cook and today I am joined again by my new and to be regular co-host Jack Chambers. Hello, that's me. And today we're going to be discussing Yoast coming to Shopify, the average position report in Google Search Console, and just some interesting facts on how that's calculated. We've got the Systrix Index Watch Biggest Losers. Always (laughs) more fun than the winners. And we've got a really in depth, interesting guide. Well, hopefully, I'm going to give you a breakdown of it, of how to recover direct traffic within Google Analytics. So where your hard won organic traffic is being classed as direct. Search for
1: Canva is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to Sistrix.com slash SWC if you want to check out some of their excellent free tools, such as checking your visibility index, Google Update Impact, keyword research, and page speed checker. You can also register for a free trial of their paid services, which include website auditing, content optimization, and over 13 years of trends and SERPs data. That's sistri xcom slash S-W-C. The S-W-C stands for Search
0: with Candor. Okay. Let's start with Yoast. So Yoast is a name I imagine most of you working in SEO know quite well. They have been around since the golden olden days. (laughs) Many stories of golden olden days. So Yoast has been around a long time. They are, I think, generally the most popular WordPress plugin for SEO. Although surprisingly, actually, I think it was today or yesterday, I saw I saw a Twitter poll of which uh, SEO plugin are using for WordPress and Rank Math came almost neck and neck. with Really? Yoast. Wow. Yeah. I would have thought Yoast would have run away with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they would generally, I think this is because this is like a SEO professional heavy kind of skewed <laughs> not that you know most twitter polls are are, are particularly fair but it <laughs> was <laughs> it was it was super skewed and i think maybe more kind of professionals are looking at other alternatives but Yoast certainly most popular wordpress yeah, plugin
1: we were talking about it in the office earlier today when we we're kind of talking about oh what we're going to discuss on the podcast day because the other members of the seo team here are like interested about what we're going to be talking about and we were like yoast yeah that's like the stuff you learn on day one, right? Like the, that's the basics. That's that whenever you kind of build your first website or work with your first client or work in-house on, an, on a WordPress website, you're going to be working with the Yoast SEO. That kind of feels like it kind of sets the standard for so many WordPress sites. And it's a very interesting. They're finally kind of branching away from WordPress.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of part of the problem. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, that wasn't particularly a compliment, by the way, saying it was kind of the standard.
0: It's, <laughs> yeah, it is a double-edged sword, and I think you see this through whether it's software or conferences, which is when, as the SEO industry's grown and the audience changes and people reposition themselves. So, from I know from an SEO professional point of view, it's almost like a running joke about people have, you know, come to you with their WordPress site. They say, oh yeah, our developers have done the SEO. And essentially that means does Yoast show us the green light? We've got all the green
1: lights. Yeah, exactly. We've got readability. We've got keywords in there and all the green lights are green. We have at least 300
0: words on every page. What's not to like? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I mean, and to be fair, to be fair to Yoast, I mean, I still use Yoast myself on a lot of WordPress sites. I really like some of the stuff they've done with schema. So particularly, uh, Jono Alderson has been involved, um, a lot with, I mean, personally, my understanding of, of schema and graphs, and I think they've done a really good job with how they generate the schema for sites, certainly, you know, more than pretty much everyone else. And, you know, that's, that's a really great thing. and they, they, they do a lot out of the box for WordPress because despite WordPress being so long in the tooth now and powering, you know, last time I checked, it's like a third of the web. It, it still isn't great out of the box for SEO. And this is what surprised, well, not surprised me. This is what I found interesting. So the announcement here that we've taken ages to get to is, you know, that Yoast has launched now for Shopify. So they have a Shopify app for all the people using Shopify. Which is a lot now. Which is a lot of people. Yeah. So kind of touch on Shopify. I'm again,
1: I'm sure plenty of listeners have at least heard of Shopify or perhaps even worked on Shopify sites themselves. Shopify is pretty, pretty big in the e-commerce world. Talking about 20% market share of e-com sites, particularly in the US, that goes slightly higher to like 25%. Uh, more than two point three million live websites using Shopify as of December 2021. Uh it is the third largest online retailer in the US after titans like Amazon and eBay. And uh, there's a great quote about they recently reached a global merchandise volume, like a cumulative total, basically, of all the stuff sold on there of $400 billion. And it took them 15 years to get to $200 billion. And then in the last 18 months, they doubled that to $400 Because, of course, online shopping has it just continues to grow, basically. And Shopify has been there for so many sites Over the last few years, and as that continued to grow, Shopify kind of caught on that wave.
0: That really doesn't surprise me either, as well. So, there's been quite a few um, senior figures, if you like, within the SEO industry, which have recently gone to Shopify. And I feel like over the last couple of years, pandemic driven, I guess, especially, (laughs) there has been a bit of an arms race for these SaaS type platforms. Uh, To use another example, Wix is something several years ago, you would not have got me to recommend to anyone. (laughs) And you know, I'd be rolling my eyes talking about SEO. They've made huge developments to their platform. And it was actually, we had a a guest, uh, on the show who used to be a search liaison for Wix and talked to me about all the improvements they're making. I actually got, members of the SEO community. I was like, Hey, what, what's, why aren't you recommending Wix from an SEO point of view? What's your issue with it? And actually when we went through them, there weren't many issues actually remaining that existed in the platform. Wow. I think the same's true from uh, Shopify, Shopify point of view. So Historically, there's been all the bugbears about, oh, you can't edit your robots.txt. You can't do this. You can't do that. How it organizes collections. um, And they've tackled a lot of these. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it really doesn't surprise me that they've seen that growth. And again, I certainly have no issue in a lot of cases for the right people, you know, recommending Shopify. And this is what made me pause to think, which is, okay, I wonder what Yoast is going to add to this party in that Shopify is seriously investing in SEO. And how does that differ
1: from what they offer for WordPress, right? Because as we said, it's almost like they go together. You can't say Yoast without WordPress. I wonder if they're going to be able to kind of break that association and really kind of get as much of a foothold on the Shopify side of things as they do with WordPress. They are two different platforms. They're going to have to offer slightly different things that they do on WordPress, to what they're going to do on
0: Shopify. So I had a look through the site and the announcement by Yoast, about Yoast, uh, the app for Shopify and primarily the things they listed, it did for Shopify. And I'm going to be a little bit of a negative Nelly here, (laughs) um, was the kind of three things they went into or four things was this traffic light system for readability. Personally, I'm not a fan of this. I feel like it veers very closely into a lot of
1: SEO urban myths of like keyword density and minimum content length and all that kind of stuff that you get that so many people for whatever reason still believe in now in 2022, despite that not being a thing for about a decade in SEO. Sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, like for me, I mean, yeah, if your website's readable, that's great, obviously for, for users. But I mean, I've got websites that I've worked on that come up, you know, red light. Oh, we've got big problems here with readability and they're smashing everyone to pieces. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I'm, and I know what's written there does make sense. And it's written like, you know, we've got good copywriters and good content writers and they've written it that way for a reason. You know, the next thing it says is, you know, Yoast, the app analyzes your content. And this is a quote, just like Google does. Which for me oh. is probably a bit you know, I understand what they're saying, but it's a you know, it's a little bit of a stretch. Like <laughs> I don't think it's particularly that advanced. You mentioned the keyword stuff and you know, the target keyword thing. Again, this is where we get this division, I think, between, you know, pro SEOs if you like and which in fairness, then the majority of people, which are maybe don't know a lot about SEO, who are setting up their small, uh, you know, e-commerce kind of mom and pop type shop, which (laughs) is that, what would you like to rank for you type it in the box? And then essentially Yoast is, is checking that you're talking about that in the copy. But I, again, I don't, I don't necessarily think getting people thinking along those lines is always the best thing to do. And again, there has to be that absolute basic level. So from what I've seen, you know, and they did use schema as well. And obviously I said they were great at schema for, for WordPress again, you know, Shopify does some schema as well. They've got integrations with Google. Certainly you don't seem to have any problems with the sites I've worked on getting stuff, you know, listed and getting rich results. Um, so there is some helpful stuff in there. The thing that kind of stung, the thing that stung me a little bit, and you know, I'm an SEO, so I'm stingy, right? <laughs> is that the pricing was $29 per 30 days? So this is kind of over three times the cost of the the WordPress one, which is uh, 100 bucks for the year. Now, again, you know, I'm sure they had to pay for development costs, and you know, there's a lot going on there. But for me, and I, I'll caveat this, I haven't used it, so this is a complete me just walking past the shop window and scoffing. For me, I don't know yet. My jury's still out on this. But, you know, Yoast, they've got a good track record for WordPress. They're on Shopify. So it might be worth testing it out for your site, seeing what it can can give you. Maybe if you have got, you know, in-house SEOs or you're working with an agency, freelancer might not be for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be key for those people that are if you're just starting off and building your own e-commerce site and just kind of like winging it essentially <laughs> and trying to work out how to go about it in the the tightest budget possible without getting professional SEO people and an agency involved and stuff like that. I think that does could that, that could certainly help lay the sort of foundation for future work and growth of your
0: website in the future. You've reminded me there talking about agencies. And not winging it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did in the last season, we had a few shows with a chap called Nathan Lomax from Quickfire Digital. They're a Shopify specialist agency. And they wanted to do that again um, this year. But what we're actually going to do is get Nathan from Quickfire on the Search with Canada podcast. And we're going to do some sessions, have some talk specifically about Shopify and SEO. So I'm sure he will have some interesting things to share with us. And by then, I'm sure he will have some clients using Yoast. So that will be coming up uh, in this season as well.
1: So the next thing we want to touch on, you mentioned at the top of the show the Mark is one of our topics, is reporting average position in Google Search Console. And You would think that would be a fairly obvious thing. You see average position. You assume it takes all of the positions of all of the things, all of the keywords that your pages are ranking for, and then does a mean of that and divides it by the total number and gets an average. According to the January 7th uh, Google SEO Office Hours, the English one with John Muller, talking about how this is actually calculated, turns out it wasn't as simple as we thought it was. And it actually kind of focuses on the top position rather than the average position for all of the different keywords and all of the different pages across. If your website is visible in position three, four, and five, for example, then we'll track three as a kind of position for that individual query. Interesting. I don't know how many people have also clocked onto this. Uh, This was highlighted by Dr. Marie Haynes on Twitter. Of course, links in the show notes as always. But that is something I was not expecting to see. And I know, again, we talked about it here in the office. We discussed
0: it with our team. And we're all quite confused by this and quite surprised. I think, I don't know, I think I would file this under things I'd never thought about before, <laughs> but actually make perfect oh, sense yeah, okay, when yeah. you think about it. So the, it, it's actually, there's, there's two, the, it's the same way in which the averages are calculated, but it works differently whether you look at it on a domain or query level. So what we're talking about is if you look at your domain and you're getting this average position of the top positions, and that's because your domain might rank at the same time, third, fifth and 10th, for instance, for the same keyword or more likely something like third, fiftieth and sixtieth. That's quite common. And, from a logical point of view, if you were going to prepare an average position, it wouldn't make sense really to take those what are essentially outliers into account and massively drag down your visibility. So say you ranked third, 50th and 60th, you know, it's not a fair average to say, oh, okay, on average you're 30th or whatever, because the, the truth is you're very visible because you're third. So actually it's kind of weighting that average
1: towards and um, we've talked about this before and I'm sure a lot of people know as well talking about kind of click through rates and visibility for the higher positions especially in the top 10 and top 5 compared to top 50 top 60 which is essentially zero yeah, for all intents
0: yeah, and purposes yeah. and and someone out, someone pointed out to me oh well this is actually different if it's done on a query level um then it's just the average but actually it's calculated exactly the same. If you just have the statement, it's the average of the highest detected position over a time series. That's correct for both cases, because (laughs) when you have a query, you're only getting one ranking back. So it is by definition, the highest visibility anyway. It just so happens that there's kind of like an array of numbers if, if you're, if you're looking at the whole domain. So actually it makes perfect sense, but these are the kind of things that I love to know, because there's you know that meeting you'll have twice a year where sometimes you know a, a sharp climb will just ask you a question like this you know it's always nice just to have pre thought about the answer <laughs> rather than having to go through that logical process in front of people you know and it's fair enough cuz not you know, not everybody knows everything. Of course, nobody knows everything rather (laughs) not everybody knows everything, (laughs) but yeah, it's one of the, I thought it was really interesting. It was a really good spot by Marie Haynes as well. She's got her own uh, podcast and newsletter that goes along with it. So uh, check that out as well. If you haven't loads of great information, I'll make sure we get a link in the show notes, which are at search.withcanda.co.uk.
1: So as I touched on at the top of the show, we are sponsored by Citrix, and that allows us to dive into the wonderful data that they provide us. We talked about the Index Watch winners from 2021. We can dive into the Index Watch 2021 losers, which I'm excited by. I know you kind of teased it last week, Mark, of like, it's always more fun. (laughs) And I think it is really, really interesting. And a couple of common themes going through it as well which i find particularly interesting should we kick off with one that surprised me to be honest well kind of the cia of all people
0: (laughs) the central intelligence agency yeah yeah who apparently don't have an seo department (laughs) (laughs) the u.s government doesn't have an seo department who would have thought it yeah. So the index watch, one of the biggest losers was CIA.gov with minus 93.1%. Yikes. I doubt <laughs> they care, really. No, but... <laughs> no. They're supposed to be secretive, right? They don't want, maybe they don't want to be visible. Maybe this is all, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> Based on historical URL data, Cistrix said that the World Factbook used to reside within the slash library directory of the CIA.gov site. Have you encountered the world factbook? I've before? never been into the world factbook. Really? No. no. I have. <laughs> have you actually <laughs> quite a few times because the world fact book was generally the thing that would rank if you wanted to Google what is the population of this country. Right, or, right. Um so, you know, it was the, okay, well, we need to settle this pub argument now. <laughs> and I just always remember, I, it stuck out in my mind because I was like, it's kind of weird that the CIA ranks for this. <laughs> but yeah, the world fact book is what it says on the tin, just facts about the world. Makes that sense. They had made publicly available. It looks like that's where they had lost a lot of rankings. And mainly the, the contents actually, uh, most of it, it's still there. well, the the world Factbook stuff uh, is not everything in library, but they've just done a content migration and done no redirects. Yeah. so this is going to be the theme, ladies and gentlemen, about this index
1: watch is be careful with your migrations because it can go horribly, horribly wrong. The little analysis here from Luce Rawlings, who's written Index Watch, clicking through some of the pages and actually having a look at where those keywords have gone you get a bunch of 404s. It's like, uh (laughs) aha, somebody hasn't done their redirects properly. And turns out the CIA do not have, as you said, Mark, SEO people actually, or developers even going in and doing redirects properly. And I can't say I'm surprised. I guess, like you said, it's probably not high on their priority to be ranking for stuff. I think they've got other stuff to (laughs) do. (laughs) But yeah, it's really interesting. And to kind of spin off onto that, uh, there's a kind of a, a mini section here, I'd like to call the death of department stores because, oh boy, the Arcadia Group, for those of you who don't know, at the beginning of the year went into administration. The Arcadia Group is the parent company of loads of well-known fashion brands, including Burton, Miss Selfridge, Topshop, Topman. If you're like us and here in the UK, you've probably been to these shops, you've probably heard of them, and they have seen some serious, serious drop-off. We're looking at kind of across, including other other brands as well, across other brands such as ASOS and Boohoo as well. There's a big, big problem going on on the Arcadia side of things. And again, again, it's all to do with how they migrated and how they're merging all of these different sites and trying to bring them together. And someone didn't redirect their directories properly and didn't create the categories properly by the sounds of it and has completely screwed up. Their visibility. And that sounds like it should matter a lot more to these department stores than it would to the CIA. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I guess this this is like death of the department store asterisks that don't do migrations. Well. <laughs> yes, yeah. We've had over the years, and I've included in like talks I've done, you know, these big scary graphs where you show, oh, look, this migration went terribly and they lost, you know, a million pounds a day every day for the rest of their lives you know <laughs> just these horror stories right this index watch i would look at it because there is definitely still in a lot of fairly big companies i've seen two two i guess two three main problems working backwards i've experienced this at larger companies which is that they have in-house seo teams that know what they are doing those people are not necessarily connected to the stakeholders and the decision makers. Yeah. That yeah. do the M and a stuff. Yeah. So I have essentially exactly the same situation here at this agency, not naming any names. Um, a client we went to that does a lot of M and a stuff. So they do lots of mergers acquisitions of other companies. We do the SEO for their kind of core brands. And when we had a meeting with the, rest of the, the board. We finally got everyone together, which was a rare occurrence. And we explained to them what we were doing. So we've been helping them at least one part of this big business with these migrations was suddenly all these light bulbs started to go on in the room and people saying, Oh, well actually we bought this and we've got this domain and nobody's talked about this before. And these it suddenly clicked that all of these are assets and they're worth money. They shouldn't be left to certainly not expire lots of places, migrations, redirect hadn't been done. And I think that can sometimes be a problem with these big companies. The other is just this assumption of uh, assumption slash arrogance of, Hey, you know, we're big Google will find the new pages. And I, I feel weird saying if the CIA can't be trusted, <laughs> I guess from a, <laughs> from a website point of view, if Google can't trust CIA.gov, who can you by, trust? <laughs> used emoji. Um, you know, it's, it's not like Google's just gone. Oh, all those pages have moved there. So I will transfer your rankings over there, sir. And just ignore that the links are going to 404s. You know, it doesn't happen. So when this index box is published, which should be by the time you can listen to this podcast, I would have a look at that and keep those examples in your back pocket for when you're having discussions about migrations, because things will go wrong if they're not done properly. Nobody has a get out of jail free card for this and the prevention is much cheaper than cure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To round off, maybe my favorite example of this migration also featured a rebrand from World of Books. And if you've ever bought a secondhand book on eBay, you've probably bought it from World of Books to put to put that into perspective. I know I certainly have. They went from worldofbooks.com and rebranded to WOB obviously standing for World of Books but now they are wob.com okay i mean you're a worldwide seller of books maybe keep with the strong brand name you would assume and yeah they also did a migration when they moved from the new from the old domain to the new domain and that's one of the scariest graphs I've ever seen <laughs> in terms of migration. Like you said, Mark, if you go and have a look, have a look in our show notes, search.withcanda.co.uk. There is a link to the index watch there. And there are some very scary graphs that should should warn you all just in case you've got a migration coming up
0: soon. <laughs> and I'd just like to say I do care for you SEOs that are maybe working in these places. <laughs> It seems like we're laughing at you. We're not, we the, promise. The truth is probably they've been desperately emailing people and having meetings trying to get people to buy in and understand what's going to happen. And then obviously it all f- falls over. And then, you know, the big SEO finger comes of who who did this? But the CEO points to the SEO. And yeah. Goes, wow, did this happen? Fully understand, you know, it can you can sometimes just get locked out by people you need to work with. There was one actually on index watch that made me a little bit sad, which was top cashback. Mm. Top cashback for those that don't know, it's essentially just an affiliate site that offers cashback. Um, they're pretty much the biggest in the UK. And over 2021, Systrix Tractor visibility decreased by 90%. And I haven't looked into this in depth and I've actually done SEO on cashback sites before. I thought you um, say on top cashback. I think I actually have, you know. Oh, maybe. I need I was going to I was going, <laughs> to, you, Mark, I I was going to say it but it was quite a while ago. I'm pretty sure it was top cashback. Top cashback if you need help, I'm still here. <laughs> it made me sad because um well we at home I use top cashback um because it has a function, you know, in that why would I not just get some money off for very very little effort? you know, they've lost all this organic visibility. Systrix have said, well, it looks like the links and the structure of the site has stayed the same. And then it kind of, you know, again, without going into kind of a technical analysis of it, I'm thinking, well, why might this be? Because Systrix is saying this is in step with Google algorithm updates as well. And, you know, is it because the way that Google's algorithms are now working is they've decided that it's not offering a lot of value in terms of, you know, it's just basically giving you money off. It's just an affiliate that that lists stuff that gives you money off. So, from a hey, I want the money off point of view, that's very helpful. But yeah. from a generalist algorithm, what is a good site? What is not a good site? I don't know if that's getting translated. It's providing literal value to users, but not necessarily <laughs> value in the eyes of Google. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to maybe algorithmically pick up on that. And you know, they've got, it was mainly apparently the category pages and I had, you know, again, another look at the site, which is their homepage is mainly kind of the cell. And then you can click through to see what kind of things you can get cash back on. And that's when you first start to get that main menu with the categories. So again, I don't know if I don't think it's an internal linking issue, but chucking that up to the homepage might be an interesting experiment. And the other thing I did notice, so I was checking Uh, the archive.org to see if they had made any structural changes and just having a quick nose around uh, Google. And I did notice it seems quite a few affiliates. Well, quite a few, not many now. It looks like it's been stamped out. We're managing to get their top cashback affiliate link indexed, So (laughs) there's still a, a few live in Google and top cashback, it looks like have tried to prevent this and they've got a really big, clear, banner so when you visit a page from google search results that actually is an indexed affiliate link there's this banner that says um you were referred by and then this code blah 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 yeah so it's not like a thing someone could stealth but i found that interesting and i wonder if there's a connection there i'm not saying there is it's this is just from looking at it but it made me a little bit sad that you know site i use is is (laughs) taking such a hit
1: yeah definitely and to kind of round things off as part of the index watch some sites have been particularly affected by some algorithm updates that have happened throughout the end of 2020 and into 2021 including the December core update and the June 2021 core update and even even product reviews and stuff like that have been affected by the first product review that happened uh, earlier on in April 2021 loose picks out an example that has seen perhaps the worst decline in honest john which is a car advice and review kind of site that people go to for you know quick one-stop shop kind of help kind of stuff for cars. Sounds trustworthy. Yeah, he's honest, John. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> as trustworthy as the CIA. I assume that's their tagline. <laughs> it's interesting to see, and I, I really love how districts keep a close eye on how algorithm updates affect their visibility index and the fact that you can track this over really long timescales to be able to see whether this update affected this site or your site or somebody else's site is really really fascinating and yeah honest john seems to have the review pages which were a key part of their site really quite negatively affected by that product review update that happened in the middle of last year so yeah something to keep an eye on there as well and something you can use systrex to track for your sites as well
0: okay let's round off with direct traffic commonly misunderstood very
1: much so yeah i was very intrigued when we uh, when you brought this up for the show notes mark i was very interested and intrigued in this because i think that it's something that is misunderstood by even people who work professionally in seo i am entirely guilty of this myself i know kind of taking things for granted that google analytics is telling the truth and your data is what it says it is and things like that so yeah tell us a little bit more about how you can get some more
0: information out of your direct traffic so this is from an article written by Anu Hellmans, um, and it was actually June last year. I think I remember looking at it and thinking I should talk about this, <laughs> and then for some reason never did. So again, I will put a link to this guide in the show notes, uk. It is quite an extensive article as well. It really is. It is quite an in detail article, which is probably maybe why I sidestepped it for something easier (laughs) to talk about before. Um, but I have tried my best to summarize it because it's, it's the best type of guide really, which means that it takes you step by step through exactly what you need to do with screenshots, which means sometimes it can be a little bit trickier to summarize, but I will attempt to do that now for your benefit. So direct traffic, as we were alluding to there, Uh, can be a bit of a problem within Google analytics because unlike I would say a lot of people assume direct traffic does not just mean people that have typed in your address in the, in the Omnibox, in the address bar or bookmarked you. It's basically any traffic that Google analytics can't otherwise identify because it has to go somewhere. So it, it pops it into direct and The blog post actually links to a a couple of other ones that he's done talking about fixing some uh, traffic sources around things like email campaigns, open graph URLs, downloadable assets. So links within PDFs and other non-HTML documents, employee signatures in emails. Essentially, this is all non-HTTP traffic sources because Google is looking for this HTTP referrer to work out where the traffic has come from and all those things I just said don't provide that but you can let Google Analytics know by using the UTM tags so the very old urchin tags but what this blog post does cover is that many Android based traffic sources have no HTTP protocol for Google to pick up either so they just end up in this catch-all direct channel. And this means that, you know, the, the traffic isn't actually direct. It's a mixture of search and social traffic. It could be Slack chats, Facebook, Android quick search. And Android devices, you know, there's around 3 billion <laughs> Android devices, you know, in circulation, in use. So this isn't just like a few people on Android phones. This is like potentially a, a massive amount of traffic. Yeah, I've been an Android user for my entire life since getting smart
1: watches and smartphones and stuff in our lives. Everything I have is pretty much Android. So I find it really interesting that it's Android specifically. I would have thought that just going off assumptions, you would assume Apple would be the problem. No offense, Apple users out there, because they have so much more proprietary stuff that ties in with the Apple kind of ecosystem. If you're not using an Apple thing with another Apple device, then it doesn't work. You would assume Android has such close ties with Google specifically being the operating system for like Google Pixel and stuff like that that it would make sense and all work nicely with Google Analytics and kind of make sense. But no, apparently Android is to
0: is the one that's kind of causing the issues here. Yeah. The answer is no. It doesn't work nicely. <laughs> no, no. Nothing ever does. But that's good because, you know, if everything worked perfectly and nicely and was easy, none of us would have a job. (laughs) I know outlines a solution uh, using session-based tracking. And actually the the blog post goes into a nice bit of detail, links to Google Docs about kind of session and hit scope as well. So an example here where you commonly get issues in Google Analytics, for instance, is if you're using like third party checkouts, maybe like PayPal is a really common one. So how Google analytics tracks that is with, you know, throughout the session is you go off the site to PayPal and then you come back and then hey presto your, your best converting traffic is coming from paypal.com, which (laughs) obviously, you know, isn't very useful. And there's a couple of basic ways people usually fix that with things like exclusions. So you can ask them to skip that out of the data and get a step back. What we've got here is essentially a a slightly more complicated, but better solution. So as I said, you're probably going to need to go and have a look at this guide yourself um, to to see the images and, and actually follow the walkthrough but what you're essentially doing is using google analytics to create a session scoped custom dimension and you are filling that via google tag manager now we've got some kind of before and after pictures in terms of direct traffic and the the results i mean anu got on his blog were were huge so there was uh, just a sudden drop in Uh, what was being classified as direct traffic. And there's some actually fascinating things that I actually had no idea about that were included in this blog post. And this is one of them, which is that when he was looking at the new referral information that he'd picked up using this technique, he was sometimes getting just a kind of a weird set of numbers. And he started Googling those and adding uh, APK on the end, which is the Android application package. So that's the like file type for Android apps. And that code corresponded to some packages, which in this case were Google news. So actually it was, that sounds like organic results to me, Mark. Yeah. It was Google <laughs> news traffic. And then we've got more steps in this guide to essentially, and I'm skimming, skimming over this to try and get through it and just give the overview. So you've got this, uh, kind of relabeled, uh, referral data that's still, label it still actually says it's direct, but it, it's you've got some referral data. But you can then reclassify it in Google Analytics using an advanced filter to change the referral codes to the real source. So you know you'll be getting direct traffic from say Android quick search. You can then re uh, classify that as organic. So then it becomes part of your reports. Um and really kindly, really, really kindly Um, and also provided the regex (laughs) in the blog post and I've used regex for many years and apparently I still can't get it right. First time. (laughs) And I still have to Google stuff every time and get it wrong the first three or four times. So I really really appreciate when people don't just say you can use regex to do this. (laughs) It's like, ah, um, so it's a, it's a really good guide. Um, I'm going to create some new, and I would recommend maybe you know, if you if you're on Universal Analytics still creating some new views to, to do this, because you do you do want to be careful that you don't filter, you know, or or lose traffic data. Because remember, when stuff is processed in Google Analytics through filters, it's not like a filter you can always just add and remove easily, stuff gets processed and then it's done. So anytime I'm doing anything with Google Analytics, it's always a good idea to have a test view set up. <laughs>
1: Thanks to Systrix for their support. If you want to check out some of their excellent free tools, such as checking out your visibility index, your Google Update Impact, as we talked about earlier on in the show, doing some keyword research or checking your page speed, you can go to systrix.com SWC. There you can also register for a two-week free trial of their paid services, which include a full website audit, content optimization, and access to over 13 years of data of trends and SERPs. That's S-I-S-T-R-I-X dot
0: slash S-W-C. Thanks again to Sistrix for their support. And we'll be back in one week's time as usual, which will be Monday, the 31st of January. From myself and Jack, I hope you have a lovely week.